Welcome to the Contracting Officer Podcast. If you're in the government acquisition world, this podcast is for you. Whether you work for government or industry, we're here to help you understand how the other side thinks. Today's episode is brought to you by Skyway Acquisition Solutions. Skyway helps you know more, do more, and win more in the government market. To learn more, go to skywayacquisition.com. Let's get right to today's topic, the Freedom of Information Act. Kevin and I discuss what it is, how it's used, and how it impacts both sides of the acquisition world. Let's get started. The FOIA is essentially, it's a concept of open government. Per the FOIA page, you go to FOIA.gov, I believe, the Freedom of Information Act, it's a law that gives the right of us citizens to access information from the federal government, right? It's, it's often described as a law that keeps citizens in the know, is the quote, right? Well, it sounds simple enough, but where it impacts contracts and performance and all kinds of things is, is a, an interesting topic to kick around. Yeah, so FOIA is a statutory thing. This is a law that gives citizens the right to access government agency records. If you want to dumb it down, it really means it's a chance for the governed to know what the government is up to. It's your chance. That they can't hide stuff from you except – for things that are exempt from release under the act. And we'll talk about that in a minute. But FOIA lets anyone, as long as you can reasonably describe what you're asking for, and that's like actually in the statute, you have to reasonably describe what you're looking for. You request it and the agency has to give it to you, has to release it to you. And there's lots of rules that we'll talk about as well. A key thing for me is agencies have to follow the law. And if they don't, if they improperly withhold anything, then the courts actually have jurisdiction to to order the release of the records. It's something to, I'll throw in there. This is what we're talking about is really the federal laws. Some states have their own rules about this, but the concept that we're talking about today is specifically for the federal level of the FOIA laws. Yeah. And one other thing to consider here is that this is a little bit unique because when somebody asks for FOIA information, the burden is on the agency, on the government, for example – to sustain why it's not releasable. They have to defend why this information they is They can't releasable. just ignore saying, it. Yeah, they can't just say, well, we don't, we don't want to release it. You actually have to tell why it's not releasable. And that's, again, that's, once again, the thinking part of the job. I mean, the, the, one of the most interesting conversations I've had was having a big debate with a lawyer and the program manager and the customer deciding, can we release this? And you have to make the case as to why you're not going to. So. And if you don't make it well... That's when the lawyers get involved from the request exactly. store. And, it, and just like that, you're losing time. Let's talk about what's protected under FOIA. You know, I said everything's releasable except for what's not. There's nine current <laughs> exemptions, and a lot of them make a lot of sense. So classified information protected under FOIA. You don't want someone to be able to request release of information that could endanger national security. The second category is things that are related solely to the internal personnel rules and practices of an agency. And there's lots of interpretation about what's solely internal personnel and practices and what's not. Third group is things that are specifically exempted from disclosure by statute. So other statutes aside from FOIA say this is not releasable. And then the fourth on the list is the one that probably hits most contracting topics is trade secrets and commercial or financial information obtained from a person and privileged or confidential. So in other words, a lot of stuff that's in a contract, it, you, you, it's a judgment call of what's personal or privileged or confidential. So 
exemption four is where I spent most of my life as a contracting officer. Yeah, and I, I'm not sure there's a lot of trade secrets in a contract unless it specifically describes how they're going to do something. But yes, there there's lots of arguments about what's financial information, what's commercial information, what's privileged information. You know, lawyers every word a lawyer says or types is generally considered privileged under well by the lawyers anyway. There is actually a law about that. All right, let's not get too wrapped up in that right now. <laughs> Number five. Interagency or intra-agency memoranda or letters, which would otherwise be be protected as as privilege. So if if it's something that would not come out in a lawsuit, then it's not going to come out in FOIA. The next one is personnel or medical files. So it's it's kind of stuff that is an invasion of personal privacy. So that makes total sense to me. And coming in seventh, information that's compiled for law enforcement purposes. And so what we're talking about here is stuff that's related to ongoing investigations or prosecutions or you know, related to personal privacy or could put somebody's life at risk. You don't want somebody to be able to FOIA who's protected under the witness protection program. <laughs> you don't want yeah. to be able to FOIA their address and their cover identity, right? That would be bad. Next, some banking and financial records are not releasable. So the the agencies that are in charge of regulating our financial institutions, there's some information out there that could be quite damaging if it was released. I'm sure that people have asked for it before, mm-hmm. which is why it made the list of what's protected. I wonder if there'll be a tenth thing on the list at some point. Okay, what's number nine? <laughs> I'm sure there will. Nine is a weird one. It's it actually says geological and geophysical information and data, including maps and concerning wells and. Initially, you go, what What are they worried about there? But some of that data is – it would be kind of difficult to understand you know, the source of, of water or gas. But if you had that data easily available to you, you could do a lot of damage. So I think they try to protect that to make it harder for bad people to do bad things. And it's probably also competitive information. Is if you Good if you're an oil company and you know where these wells are and it's just – Again, we're, we're reading tea leaves, but it was one that caught my eye that I thought, wow, I forgot about that one because well, I never so used it. Weird. So when does this happen? We usually talk about acquisition time zones, and I think this can happen at any time and across any information that agencies collect. But since we're talking contracts and acquisition stuff here, when, when might this happen in the contracting world? The, the time that I saw it the most was when a contract was coming up for recompete. You would get a request for the contract. You get a request for any of the procedures. You get a request for the source selection documents. I mean, some of it is releasable. A lot of it wasn't. But that, that's when we'd see a lot of it. And then also in the RFP zone, when somebody realizes, wow, I don't know this piece of information. I better put out a, a FOIA request to get it. Problem with that is that if you're in the RFP zone, you're probably too late to get your answer. So the most effective way is, is be further upstream. But in contract lingo, that's probably where you're going to see it the most. But, but you're right, it could happen on any topic anywhere, and it, it could be even slightly related to you as a person, not even related to the contract. So this is just something government employees deal with. Yeah. That's a perfect segue into why this is so important. This is the view into the government process. People expect their government to be transparent nowadays. You like that, nowadays? Nowadays. And really what we're talking about here is that there are a lot of things that the government's not just going to post on websites willy-nilly. But it's information that's not protected, 
And so this is a process, this is a view inside the process to get that information. It's also important because it can be quite burdensome on the government. There's actually a study, we did a little internet research here. The, the Center for Effective Government analyzed 15 agencies, and this is a 2015 analysis based on earlier data, but the study concluded that federal agencies are really struggling to keep up with the volume of FOIA requests. I know the places that I worked in the government had a specific FOIA office that these requests were routed through that were the police that checked up on you to make sure you were doing your job and getting the data they needed to release on the time. So there's, you know, there's cost added to your federal government because there's whole offices built to deal with getting this information released. And the results of the study show that 10 out of the 15 agencies that they analyzed did not get satisfactory grades. They got less than 70. So that's a D. And getting a D in school is pretty bad, right? Well, in this case, when, when you're on the other side of that, you're the person asking for the data and these agencies are getting a D, it's a wonder why people are frustrated by the FOIA process. And we're going to talk through some of the things of why this it's hard to get an A in this class because it's a lot of stuff you got to get done. So this process isn't free. If you're a requester, you got to understand that agencies can charge you and will charge you for their costs. And it's it's agencies can charge reasonable costs for search, review, and duplication. So everybody's running copies. That used to be the way it was. You ran copies and you charged so many cents a page that was requested. I don't know in the electronic world if that's the same. But you make the request for information and you tell them up front, let me know if it's going to cost more than 200 bucks or 500 bucks or whatever. And the government has to get back to you within a certain amount of time and tell you how much stuff is actually going to be released and how much it will cost you if it's going to be more than the ceiling. And the timetable is actually pretty short. The government gets like 20 days, less than a month to say, here's what we can release. Here's what we're going to release. Here's what we're not. And that's where it gets messy. They respond to the requester, (laughs) and then there could be a lot of debate about what's releasable and what's not releasable. And in in the worst cases, this stuff can really drag on and involve a lot of lawyers. And I think I think you were alluding to that before, Kevin. And, and think about let's let's play this out for a minute. So it's Friday afternoon. I get uh, the infamous visit from the FOIA person. And, and the way it worked with a couple of my recent agencies is I get an email from her. Her name was Barb. I got the email from the FOIA person. I'm like, oh boy, and it's Friday. Well, guess what? The clock's ticking. I got 20 days, which includes weekends. Okay, well, I'm going to lose this weekend because I'm not I'm not coming back to the office for a search for files. So by the time I come back, figure out what they want because it's a you know it's a three page list of all the things that they want. It's kind of like when you uh, you get the, the the list from your accountant, all the stuff they need for the end of your taxes. It's a big list, and you got to work your way through it. Then you get through the whole thing when, amidst of everything else you're doing. So let's say it takes a couple days to get that. Now you got to digest it and decide, okay, what can we release? Well, now the the lawyer is going to look at it. The FOIA person is going to look at it. And oh, by the way, the contractor gets a vote, or at least it used to that they would get some vote on, okay, what is, this, what is this releasable or not? We would consult with them because if we release something that's proprietary of theirs, then they can sue us and it makes it even worse. So all this stuff has to happen in less than three weeks. To your point, that 20 days is pretty hard to hit, but if you don't meet it, technically you're breaking the law and now you've complicated your life even more. And I like that. Technically, long. you're breaking the law. <laughs> it's usually you Literally. are or you aren't. That's funny. It's pretty, it's pretty binary. Let's talk about why people would use FOIA. 
So for for real competitive intelligence reasons, you're like you described before, pre RFP, pre acquisition, sometimes companies use FOIA to get contracts and other records released to help them understand how to better compete and how to win an upcoming acquisition. And they also can use it to hold people accountable uh, when when certain things are supposed to happen, when certain reports are supposed to be launched. There's all these things that are supposed to be happening in the government and somebody can FOIA to confirm whether or not that they... Yeah, I mean, if they don't trust the government, if they don't trust what's going on, it's a way for... it. It's kind of what it was designed for, right? I mean, the whole, the whole thing came about... I believe because reporters were trying to hold our government accountable and couldn't get access to some of the records. One of the troubling uses of it is really just sensationalism. There are whole websites out there that apparently all they do is submit FOIA requests and then publish information and try to put it in an unflattering light. And that's why I say sensationalism. Gather something meaningless and try to put meaning to it. And like make the government tabloid. look bad or, or aid and abet conspiracy theories. And I'm sure that there are some good uses for it as well. But I can tell you, whether you're on the government or the industry side, if, you're, if what you're working on is released under FOIA and then posted online in a unflattering way. It's a little maddening. So here's an important little tidbit. Whether you're on government or industry side... Your email may be releasable under FOIA. So your conversations back and forth regarding negotiations of a contract, regarding award or a sole source justification or whatever you can imagine, it may seem routine when you're actually typing the email back and forth. But you're creating a record that presented in an unflattering light, could be quite embarrassing and could put your agency or your company up for all kinds of uh, scrutiny, fame, internet fame that you're not prepared for. <laughs> internet fame. So it's, it's good to know that, that even a simple email, if some context in, is removed, can make you look pretty bad. Yeah, that, that is an unfortunate side effect of the, of the uh, FOIA concept. It's... It's one of those things that when they put the law out, they didn't see this coming, and here it is. And so <laughs> there, <laughs> right. are, when it came there out, are lots of stories. FOIA came about in the late 60s, so this was long before the internet made it so easy to destroy someone. Yeah, or even just to distract from what they're doing. That's Discredit might be a better word than destroy. But yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. All right, keep moving. Let's talk specifically about the government side for a minute. Why do we care so much as government employees about FOIA? So other than being an engaged citizen, I'm not sure government people really care about FOIA that much. Or or maybe they care, but in a negative way. I'm not sure government employees are all that supportive of the work that it takes when a FOIA request comes in. And and full disclosure, as a contracting officer, it was not a priority. I mean, when all the, all the things that I have to get done, like I, you heard me joking before, when you know, the, the FOIA monitor shows up and I'm like, oh boy, this is not good. Right. If, if because, something mission-related happens on, late on a Friday afternoon, you can be damn sure that you're going to be there late or over the weekend or whatever it takes to get it done if it matters for, for mission. If it's just one of these annoying bureaucratic things like FOIA, 
<sighs> yeah. So, and just just so people understand that this is not something that contracting officers, program managers, government employees in general are. are Yay! I got a FOIA. It's <laughs> it's the exact opposite of that. And so, this FOIA monitor is a as a person like you had mentioned that each each agency, not, not each. Some agencies have a person who's responsible for this, and we had one person, and she managed this giant spreadsheet, and this is Special Operations Command, so imagine how many people are, are sending in FOIA requests. And that job is, it's, it's like being the, the inspector. It's a thankless job. But again, we've talked about, there's a law behind this. This stuff has to get done. And so things like a request for information is really what a FOIA is about some classified program. Okay, that's an easy one. That's not releasable. But you spend a lot of time dealing with ones that are a bit more fuzzy. And this is not just for contracts either. So let me give you an example how this hit me personally. When I was leaving government, I had to fill out a form that says there's no conflict. I'm not going to be working on specific contracts that I was a contracting officer for. This is what I'm going to be going to do. We talked about Skyway, right? Well, somebody FOIA'd that. And then they wrote an article Actually, they called me and said, hey, I'm writing an article about you. Wanted to get your feedback. Well, you know, as a, as a small business, I'm thinking, uh, that's probably not a good thing. But I talked to the guy and got kind of a feel of it. And what it came out to, and, and it's online right now, and it specifically says that this guy is a revolving door problem because, look, he created his company and left government and started a business. That happens all the time. And, and you got to admit, if you're listening to this podcast, it wasn't a stupid idea because I am actually helping people. But you hear the passion in my voice that he took this context of yeah, some I random gov- government personnel form that he probably got a couple hundred thousand records from it, and then he made yeah. a, a story and yeah, about how I was doing something bad. And in fact, by filling out the form and being, and it's, it's a legal form, but it's also an ethical thing of saying I'm not going to work for a company that I just gave a contract to. That, but by the way, this is what I'm going to do. That form is what he used to tell this yeah. to fabricate a story about me. So, And I'm sure yeah, it, I'm sure there are bad people. There are bad things that happen where people do things that he could have found in all of those records and surfaced something that was actually bad. But this just shows how you can get smeared through basic records, which if you worked in the industry would be private stuff. Basic government records can be released and made public. And, and, the, and the big kind of take away from all this, I mean, put aside my, my, my little rant there. <laughs> this, is why, this is why a lot of government people are really closed. They're really closed in things that they say because you get burned by that once and when somebody says, hey, can you tell me? They're like, nope, because they're looking around for the FOIA guy. I mean, that, that's how it feels, right? So this, this is, we like open government, but we, you got to understand that this is one of the things that influences somebody's interest in being open because some of the information gets twisted, and it, it, and it, again, it's just a big distraction. Yeah, so, so let's, to- let's shift to why industry should care because it's exactly the same on the industry side, Kevin. Like I said, emails could be releasable, all those communications. They become government records when it's going back and forth with government people. So industry is just as susceptible to being very guarded about what they write or share because it, it's all – potentially releasable on the good side this is how companies can get insight about agencies and contracts where information may not be shared so freely this is how companies can actually get that stuff out in the open and maybe it goes out in the open or maybe they just make the request and keep it to themselves to get a competitive edge yeah and the example I kind of mentioned before, but one of the very first exposures I had to FOIAs was when contracts were being recompeted when I was at Wright Patterson. 
and we get this, I'm thinking, what is a FOIA, right? And I'm getting walked through this whole process and I had to document how much time I spent and how many copies I made and everything. But that's why they wanted this information is they wanted to be able to see a copy, give me a copy of the contract. And I love this, all source selection related documents. Okay, I, I, that's what the request would say. So we had to go through and decide, okay, well, they're not all releasable, but some of them are. And so that's where I was talking about some of the time that takes, takes some of the time it takes to be able to manage that stuff and decide what's releasable. But that is a way to get great insight on this is how the source selection and the contract was awarded last time. And a lot of those things are going to be repeated. This is a way to get them. And by the way, I'm not suggesting that you go out and FOIA every single contract that you're going after right now. I'm not making that case. Generally a time-consuming and expensive proposition for both sides. And I got to say, the results of what's released in those cases after the exemptions are taken into account is usually quite disappointing. Yeah, and that's that was the the great wrap up to this is that it is not necessarily going to tell you. In fact, I would I would guarantee you it's not going to tell you everything you want to know. It's maybe going to tell you some of what you could have figured out yourself. And this is my personal favorite reason: if you target like crazy, like we talk about on here, most of that information you're just going to glean because you're paying attention. Yeah, yeah. So I, I totally I agree. Would not use that personally, but that's just me. And I already talked about how things can go wrong. If you're on the industry side, you know, what What was a simple email exchange about a program, an acquisition, a contract, about anything like this can get posted online and removed from context, and this is from experience, it can make you look quite foolish when a little inside joke that you were talking about someone on the phone that you then reference in an email that's then released and posted. <laughs> Ouch. Outside of context, it, it's... It's not flattering. So that, that's what is discoverable if you're just dealing company to company, business to business on the industry side is totally different than what is discoverable or releasable if you're dealing industry to government or what B2G yeah, there you go. In, in modern lingo. And, and this is, this is open government-ish. Right. And so the good news of that is that we as citizens want to know what's going on. The bad news of that is that you end up with the FOIA paparazzi that tend to make things even more complicated. <laughs> I love that. That's what it feels like. <laughs> it does feel like FOIA paparazzi. So let's summarize what we talked about here. The Freedom of Information Act, FOIA, is a law and it's designed to create more transparency in government to help the citizenry stay informed. But it is a time and money drag. It's a cost that we as taxpayers are paying for that transparency. It costs money. It costs the government money to be able to release all this stuff. It's, it's one of the things in the 80% process. You, you, know, you hear us talk about the, the 80-20 rule. Well, this is the 80% process and knowing how it works and how to use it and, and how not to use it and understand that it can cause things to take longer. That's one of the reasons we talk about it. And one thing to point out is that what we've talked about in terms of what the FOIA allow, what the FOIA law requires and what it doesn't, it's been amended. It's been increased and decreased and expanded over time based on you know, politics and lawsuits that have gone through. So it, it has changed over time, but, but functionally it's designed for, I want to know what my government is doing. This is one way to find out. Yeah. I want to go back to why things take longer. So you're preparing to release an RFP. You're planning on having it done by the end of the month. You have 28 days left in your schedule before RFP release and a bunch of FOIA requests hit that require a response within 20 days. Suddenly, 
releasing that RFP is more difficult than you expected. The, these are the things. <laughs> these is, this is why sometimes if you're on the industry side, you don't understand why it takes so long. This is one of those things that doesn't exist. There's not a direct comparison to it on the industry side. It's just one of those things that, that sucks the life out of the process. Well said. Okay, everyone, thanks for joining us today. We get a lot of feedback, both good and bad, about the podcast and about what we're talking about. The greatest compliment you can give us if you like what you're hearing is to tell a friend. And as always, if you need help with the government market, Skyway Acquisition is here to help you. Go to skywayacquisition.com, and we help you know more, do more, and win more in this market. So we'd love to hear from you. Okay, that's it for another episode of the Contracting Officer Podcast. As always, if you have questions, comments, or complaints, send me an email at paul at contractingofficerpodcast.com. Thanks for joining us. 